What's going on and welcome into the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek on this Monday. Happy game day as the Pelicans are in Boston for a one game trip as they take on the Celtics. Pelicans coming off a win over the Mavericks on Saturday night, 112 to 103. And joining us now from the Celtics is Mark D'Amico, analyst, reporter, writer, you name it. He does it all for Celtics.com. He's kind enough to join us today. Mark, thanks for coming on. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for uh, thinking of me. As I just said before we went live, I, uh, I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, absolutely. I know Jim has some stories to share about you and you guys, how you all know each other. So I look forward to that. But first, let's talk about the Celtics team since the, you know, the big comeback win in New Orleans uh, between the Pelicans and Celtics. Celtics Wait, are I thought we weren't talking about that. I wouldn't have come on here if we were talking <laughs> about that game. That, that game has been erased from our memory. <laughs> You're exactly right. So we're not going to talk about that game, but let's talk about your team since that game and they're they're kind of middle of the pack eight and eight's kind of been a roller coaster ride since then and maybe all season long but in those 16 games what's kind of been the story for the celtics uh inconsistency i think that's the easy way to lump it all together and really that game like you just said kind of started it all uh maybe a little bit before that that the the team was showing signs of inconsistency but that's what it's been inconsistency on defense inconsistency on offense i mean they could play uh, 20 to 25 minutes of a game and look great like the team that everyone expected them to look like this season and then the other 20 to 25 minutes looked not so great and, and really that's what we did against you guys right like there was it was just that one quarter of the game where the team didn't play well and that cost them the game even after they had a big lead um, I will say this though the last couple games they have found some consistency and, and they have made it seem like they think they're turning a corner but We've been here before this season with the Celtics, so it's going to be about a long-term. Can they sustain this long-term? It's not about thinking that you're turning the corner. It's about actually turning the corner, so we'll see. And that's the crazy thing about the Celtics team, because you mentioned it. I mean, they were expected to be, you know, one of the teams contending in the Eastern Conference like they have been the last few years because their core guys are still there. Um, so before I get to Jim, kind of, has it been mostly injuries with them? You know, they had to go through health and safety protocols earlier in the year. Has that kind of been why they may have been kind of so up and down this season? It's certainly been a part of it. Um, I mean, to this point, the team has not been whole for a single day. Um, and, and Romeo Langford is the reason why. And not to say that he's a top five or six player on the team, but he is one of the team's better defenders. I think you guys are going to see over the course of his career, you know, God willing that he's healthy. He's going to be a great defender. Not good, but great. Um, so he, he would have certainly helped at the defensive end. He can make some plays offensively. <clears throat> but that, that, that's not what this is all about. This is about, and Brad Stevens and I use this term. Thankfully, I used it before he came to Boston, so <laughs> I, I don't feel like I learned it from him. But we use this term that every game is its own entity and every team is its own entity. This team has a lot of the same players as the previous seasons, like you just mentioned. Everyone expected them to just come into this year and be the same thing, right? I mean, they were just in the conference finals a couple months before this season started. But – this team is its own entity. Um, you just don't know if everything is going to click the same way that it did the season before, even if the majority of the players are the same players from the season before. Uh, and it just hasn't happened that way this year. Now, obviously, since the trade deadline, the starting center, Daniel Tice, has been moved on to Chicago. Um, now Rob Williams has slid into that starting spot until Tristan Thompson comes back. Then we'll have to figure out where that's going to go. But uh, I, I do think that that's the root of the cause. And it's just the fact that this team is its own entity and things have not clicked the way that everyone expected them to heading into the season. 
Mark, let's uh, talk about solutions. Obviously, we we hope that the solution isn't found in, in a few hours tonight in Boston yes, for you guys. Do. But <laughs> but uh, it, what impact do you think? What what is Evan Fournier's status right now, and what do you, what impact do you think he'll make? I know um, the Celtics have had to deal with a lot of you know shuffling in the bench, and that's been kind of an inconsistent part of the team. Uh, what, what do you think he'll he'll come in and be able to do when he gets on the court? Well, I'll answer the first question first, even though I might not be able to answer it all too well. But, you know, we touched about health and safety protocols. Boom, you trade for Evan Fournier and immediately into health and safety protocols. Mm. I, don't, I don't know how it happened, but it happened. And that's why he hasn't appeared yet for the Celtics. However, yesterday the team said that he has been upgraded from questionable from out. So he could potentially make his debut tonight. We'll see. I don't know what the situation is necessarily with sure. why he was placed into health and safety protocols or for how long that's going to last, but there is the potential that that could end tonight and he will make his debut. Now, on the court, what is he going to provide the Celtics? I personally see him as a little bit of a, uh, I don't want to say poor man's, but because Gordon Hayward's been doing it for a long time and Gordon Hayward's been an all-star in this league, but that's what I think that he can be for this team. We've all seen him play for the last seven years in Orlando. He's a great scorer. He's extremely efficient. He can make plays with the ball in his hand. He played point guard a lot of the time for that Orlando team while he was down there. So these are the same attributes that Gordon Hayward brought to the team over the last couple of seasons when he was healthy. And those are the attributes that I expect Fournier to bring to the table here with the Celtics. Now, the one thing that I'm really looking forward to is his efficiency offensively. The Celtics haven't had a guy, you know, outside of Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown and Kemba Walker and even Kemba Walker hasn't been very consistent this season but they haven't had that guy who you can swing swing to who then can be that extreme uh, difficult threat for the defense to kind of slow down Fournier is that guy right like he, he's shooting extremely efficiently being one of the main offensive uh, cogs in that Orlando offense he is not going to be that in Boston he's going to be able to play off of all of the guys who are getting all of the attention in, in Jason Tatum Jalen Brown and Kemba Walker so I expect him to be maybe not even more efficient, but I, I do expect him to make a, a significant impact with his efficiency because he's playing off those other guys now, as opposed to being that guy, which he was in Orlando. Yeah. I mean, that's a really interesting point as far as just what he's being going to be asked to do. I know that he had to shoulder a pretty big um, burden in Orlando. So that, it, that will be, be fun to watch. Um, is, Hopefully. You mentioned, yeah, <laughs> you, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Brown and Tatum. I, I was just wondering what your thoughts are on just the jump that those guys keep making. I know the fact that the Celtics record isn't what people expected has kind of made this not as much of a story as it probably would have would be if they were playing, you know, at a at a higher level. But um, how how impressed have you been just with? I mean, just the the strides that they keep making. I know Brown has really made another big jump this year. Yeah, and, and Jalen Brown's the one who really pops off the sheet to me because <clears throat> you signed him to an extension before last season, and right now that extension is looking like a bargain deal uh, for the next three seasons in yeah. addition to this season. So he has really taken the next step, and he's scoring at all three levels. Um, he's making plays, and, and really, to me, what has really improved his efficiency offensively and his ability to score on all three levels, number one is his ball handling. Uh, he came into the, into the NBA, not a very good ball handler. Um, you would not expect him to be able to get through traffic and still have the poise to be able to put the ball through the hoop. 
he can do that now basically whenever he wants. Um, and, and secondly is that he's figured out um, he's really improved his shot. I mean, he came into the, into the NBA also as a very poor free throw shooter. Free throw shooting to me um, is a very good uh, trendsetter or example for what you can do in the rest of the court during live action. Um, he struggled to shoot a little bit during his first couple of years, especially in the mid range, which is right where the free throw line is. Now he's cashing in from that area of the court. Um, he's shooting the ball from three point range pretty well. So he's the one who's really stood out to me as a significant improvement. Tatum is what he is, right? Like we knew that he was going to be a max player ever since he made that run uh, as a, as a first year player in the, in the playoffs, being the, the leading scorer for a team that went to the conference finals. Now, the one constructive criticism that I can give to those guys is that, and it's not their fault. <clears throat> it's just how the team has functioned this year uh, with Kemba coming in late. He didn't start playing until mid January. He doesn't play on the second game of back to backs. Marcus smart has, mi has missed a bunch of time with all of those things cobbled together. Those two guys, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown have really had to shoulder the offense completely this season. And I think that that has taken away from what they've been typically to this point in their career at the defensive end of the court. That's one of the reasons why the Celtics have been so inconsistent because they've had to do so much offensively. And it's not an excuse, right? Like Michael Jordan was one of the best defenders ever. And he also scored 30 something points a game, right? Sometimes he went up to 60. Um, so these guys should be able to do it. But I do think that the fact that they've had to shoulder so much offensively has affected their, their impact at the defensive end. So hopefully Again, dialing back to where, where our conversation about Fournier, I think that he can help in that aspect too and allow them to save a little bit of energy for the other end of the court because those, those two guys can be elite defenders. I wanted to segue into a couple uh, lighter topics. For, for one, that uh, while we have someone from the Celtics on, I wanted to ask you about the 08 Celtics because I feel like a lot of people discuss them all the time in terms of uh, just what a lot of those guys have done post yeah playing career do you have a uh do you have a power rankings for I, I guess i have two part question do you have a power rankings for the uh former 2008 celtics that are in tv in terms of their broadcasting career and and part two of that question is can you name any celtics from that team that are not in in tv broadcasting right now? <laughs> there are actually a lot of them i mean kg used to be but he's not now um yeah. you know, ray allen doesn't do it um rondo's still playing uh, but there are a few guys in there. I, I love watching Perk, and, and I love Pierce, too. Great guy. <clears throat> He's very entertaining. But Perk is just like a bird of a different feather, right? Like the, the one-liners that he coins, um, his following him on Twitter is a hoot. Like every single day, you never know what the guy's going to say. But um, <laughs> I've had the pleasure of working with him a little bit here with the Celtics since he went into this media space. Uh, and, you know, he's a ton of fun. And I just think that he's real. Right. He, he's not mm -hmm. trying to say what you want to hear. He's saying what he thinks and he doesn't care if he makes anybody upset in the process. It, he's just having fun and saying what he thinks. And I think he's having a fun, do a lot of fun doing that just because he's like, I'm getting paid to just say what I think. This is great. Like you guys have it easy. Uh, but I, I love seeing him. He's across all the different ESPN platforms. Um, he, he actually is a, he's not in the studio, but for all of the NBC sports, Boston, broadcasts of the games he's actually the uh, the pre-game halftime and post-game analyst that, that they do it through zoom um mm -hmm. so you know it's, it's been a lot of fun watching him and uh you know congratulations to 
him being able to segue into this type of career because as he always says, I'm just a boy from Beaumont, Texas. <laughs> He's got his accent and everything, but here he is on, on national TV and, and hosting the Celtics games every night. It's pretty cool. Yeah. You guys have uh, another uh, former player, Brian Scalabrini, who I really enjoy on the, on the broadcast and Mike Gorman, actually, this is a random aside, but I remember as a kid when he did big East games growing up in the Northeast and I, I love him. I still love, just enjoy listening to him call games. I think he's one of the best guys in the league. So awesome. Um, he's awesome. And you know, yeah. he told me a couple stories where on the same day he would fly from covering a big East game. Like you just said, because at that time he was doing Celtics and big East. So he, he would have to cover multiple games in multiple cities on the same day. I don't know how someone can do that, but he somehow he pulled it off and he's gotten to where he is today. He, he certainly is one of the best in the business. And Perk we had here obviously for a season and he cracks me up sometimes too, because he'll, some of his expressions that he says on TV, I first heard him say in the locker room when he played here, including the one where he would say, you know, if a team's on a losing streak, he would say, they need a win like an old person needs yeah. a soft pair of shoes. That's one of his one of his great ones. That must be from a like an East Texas expression from back in the day. And so I, I, that's exactly what I'm saying is that he's just he's authentic, right? And you're yeah. confirming it right there. Like that's who he is. That's who he's always been, and that's who he's always going to be. Right. And and last thing I was going to mention, uh, Daniel alluded to this earlier that we have a shared background. Um, really funny. Uh, I was. Visiting, I'm from upstate New York, as I've mentioned multiple times on this podcast. But yes. <laughs> Daniel, keep, keep Daniel staying, agrees. Okay. Uh, like yeah, yeah. Pipe down, Daniel. <laughs> this, is, this is our this is our moment here. And uh, I was visiting home in the summer a few years ago, and I was reading the local newspaper, which I actually used to write for, was employed by, and there was an article in the paper um, about a D'Amico. I forget what which one it was. Was it Mike? Yep. And, and there was a story in there about how he's for everyone. So that, you know, yeah, yeah, Mike, I was going to get to that part, but uh, um, (laughs) I wanted to make sure I had the names right, but there was an article in the paper about how there's a super fan from our area. Who's a huge USA soccer fan and was one of the people that dressed up as like a historical American figure. And in the article, (laughs) yes, Teddy Roosevelt. And in the article, they said his brother works for the Boston Celtics. And I was like, that's wait, Mark D'Amico, the guy that I've worked, I've known for the last couple of years is from my hometown. And, and then as it turned out, we both, I think we're both born in the same hospital and we both went to the same college. So, you know how there's a, there's a story about how Steph Curry and LeBron were both born in the same okay. hospital in Akron. Yeah. It's kind Great of like, this comes from that hospital is what we're trying to say. <laughs> Just for team website writers, you know, Geneva general hospital is like the cradle of, <laughs> of team website writers. Love it. Love it. No, but believe it or not, that was, I think that was eight years ago at this point, seven or eight years ago. Cause I get the time hop on face FaceTime or okay, on, on yeah. Facebook all the time. Um, yep. Going back to, I mean, long story short with my brother, he became like the face of USA soccer's fans mm-hmm. um, in the, I think it was the world cup in, in um, Brazil. Yeah, it was down in Brazil, uh, seven or eight years ago, somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was a crazy story. He was on like every single talk show, talking Good Morning America, like he was on ESPN. <laughs> I'm, he was on the front page of ESPN. That's the yeah. time hop that I always get because I, 
I took a screenshot and I said, Mike, you're on the front page of ESPN before me and I work in sports. <laughs> this isn't even fair. Um, no, but re really, really fun story. And, and that's how we kind of linked up to know, know uh, each other and where we came from. We're from the towns like right next to each other. And the crazy thing, Jim, is that I'm pretty sure you covered me when I was playing high school football. I think I, I did, yeah. Record. Yep, I think I did. And I, I remember being on uh, your, your pregame show a few years ago in Boston. Yep. And as I, as I said at the time, absolutely phenomenal player. <laughs> one of the best high school football players I've ever <laughs> seen play. But and then I don't know if you remember that too vividly, off, but I was, the, it was okay. Off the air, I, I think off the air I said, though, I really don't remember seeing you play. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you lying on my behalf. Pump there you me, go. Pump me up. No, I mean, I went on to play at Ithaca. It wasn't anything crazy. New York doesn't have a ton of, you know, big-time football like the South does, um, especially down in Louisiana and, and you know, yeah. and, and around SEC territory. But, um, you know, it was, it was a fun ride. Fun ride in high school, fun ride in college. And, uh, you know, it took me to Ithaca, which – led me to where I am today. So, um, you know, it's been a lot of fun and hopefully even more success to come. I didn't realize I was in the presence of greatness. So I need to be careful, <laughs> you know, now that, you know, Ithaca's finest right here on the Pelicans podcast. I don't know about that either. There's a long list of Ithaca's <laughs> greatest and, and I don't know if I'm one of them. No, you two are up there. That's for sure. Uh, before I let you go, Mark, let's talk about tonight's game a little bit. You mentioned um, Dadel Tyson moved on to Chicago and Robert Williams, I thought, played great against the Pelicans in the first matchup there. Um, but of course, Zion's been on a, a different level um, recently and basically all season long. Um, how does Zion affect the matchup, especially down low for the Celtics tonight, especially with Tristan Thompson out as well? Yeah, you know, I, <clears throat> I think Tristan is probably the guy that has the closest combination of size, length and agility to defend someone like Zion, who I don't know if anyone in this world can defend the guy because he's from another planet, like I tweeted the other night. <laughs> Um, but <clears throat> I, I'm not sure how Brad is going to attack this tonight. Uh, I, you know, Zion is on one hell of a run right now. Um, and it's, it's, this isn't new, right? He's been doing this for quite some time this season. Um, since you guys started putting the ball in his hands a little bit more to make plays. Um, Robert Williams has been great now, um, with Daniel Tice out of town, Rob is sliding into the starting role and he's been awesome. I mean, his first start of the season the other night. He, I think he finished with six assists. Um, he was the first player, or I think like the seventh or eighth instance in the last like 20 or 30 years of a player to log five plus, a Celtics player to log five plus in uh, four or five different categories. So he was really making an impact in many different areas of the game. And he's been waiting for this opportunity. I mean, he's been great this season in 15 to 20 minutes, but now the team is looking to get him closer to 30 minutes uh, because that's the type of impact that he's making but I don't know if he's the guy um, who is the answer for Zion Williamson. As we just touched on, I don't know if anyone is, but the Celtics don't have that big, strong, athletic, long defender to throw at Zion. So he might have his way tonight and the Celtics might have to say, Hey, Zion, do your thing. Kind of like we used to do against LeBron in the playoffs, do your thing. We're going to try to take away everyone else. And that might be the only way for us to win this game. Uh, but we'll see. I'm not Brad Stevens, so I'm sure he's got something better cooked up than what I just said. All right. Should be a fun one tonight. Pelicans and Celtics from Boston, 6.30 p.m. Central tip. That's Mark D'Amico, who covers the team, analyst, writer, reporter, everything for Celtics.com. Mark, I appreciate the time, and uh, happy game day to you. All right. Same to you. And, guys, this is the return of fans for the Boston Celtics tonight. 
First time we're having nice. fans since uh, March 8th of 2020. So there might be a little bit of extra juice in, in the okay. Celtics tonight when they take the court. They've been looking forward to this. It's going to be a lot of fun. How many fans are scheduled to be in attendance tonight? Uh, it's 12% capacity, so yeah. it's around 2,000. Um, okay. I think it's a little over 2,000. So nothing crazy, um, but it's going to be 2,000-something more than it has been all season. Not necessarily all fake crowd noise at this point. I, I know that uh, the team's been looking forward to it. Um, the, the players have been looking forward to it. They've been saying, I mean, Jason Tatum tweeted yesterday. He's like, thank you, Lord. We've got the fans back. So uh, now they're going to have a little extra juice. Maybe if this thing goes down to the wire, having, having a home crowd. Well, certainly good for you guys to have some fans back. I know we've had some fans back for a while. So uh, as much as we don't want more home court advantage for the Celtics tonight, it's certainly glad that as we're getting closer and closer and back to normal. So happy to see we that. We want to get back to normal. That's all we all want. Yeah. Mark, I appreciate the time. Thanks again. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. There he goes. Mark D'Amico of Celtics.com learned a lot about the Boston Celtics as the Pelicans look to complete the season series sweep tonight in Massachusetts. And Jim, uh, we've been saying this throughout this last two weeks. The gauntlet of the second half of the schedule started with the Los Angeles Clippers on March 14th, two times against Portland, two games against Denver, a Laker game, a Dallas game. Now you have Boston. You have a chance at a winning record during this eight game stretch they're four and three heading into tonight's ball game and i feel like that's very important for the pelicans just to start getting some momentum they're only one loss back of the golden state warriors for the 10th spot in the play and so i know it's crazy to think five games under 500 that that's within reach and so close but this is a this could be a very big swing game for the pelicans as they come back home for two later on in the week it could be i mean i don't want to get go go too crazy and go over the top but I think it's pretty excellent that they've been able to have the record that they had during this stretch of the last seven games I mean if you wanted to be really pessimistic and negative a couple weeks ago you could have said you know maybe this is the end of their chances as far as staying in the play-in race but not only have they stayed in it but they've actually gained ground now it helps of course that Steph Curry's been out and Golden State's yeah. lost several games in a row and they've kind of Put, brought everybody back into the mix, including the Pelicans and Sacramento and OKC is really not that far out, even though I know that's not really the top of their list as far as goals this season. But but you're, you're right. I mean, tonight could be a really important win. I think at this point, every every win on the road is huge because they need to start playing better and get more wins there. Um, they're going into a stretch right after this where they're playing almost all East teams and then the one west team that they're that they have during this upcoming stretch is houston which is obviously struggling big time so but at the same time i'm not taking anything for granted the the next game after tonight is home against orlando which on paper you would say okay that's that's a pretty manageable game but orlando almost beat the lakers last night um yeah. it went down to the last play of regulation so um you never know but 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 going back to what you originally said though um I mean, I, th I do think that this would be a really big, big step and a big win if they can get it against the Celtics. Yeah, on paper, I mean, we've seen this team. Uh, we talked about it the other night. The Pelicans have beaten seven of the eight teams in the top eight of the Western Conference right now. The only one they won't be able to get is Portland, but they've also lost to the worst teams in both leagues. So, again, it's really hit or miss with this Pelicans. They've kind of like the Celtics. They talk about inconsistencies. Um, the Pelicans have sort of gone through that as well, but they are playing better as of late. See if it echoes tonight against the Celtics. So 6.30 p.m. Central from Boston. I'll have pregame for you on the radio side at 6. Of course, Fox Sports New Orleans will have it 
on there as well. And look out for Jim's pregame report um, on Pelicans.com, the mobile app. Jim, I appreciate the time. Let, let's get a win tonight, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. All right. We'll have a, another podcast for you on Wednesday. Until then, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Pelicans podcast presented by Seeky.